a Friday night. It's Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Adam Abdallah has the night off. It's Chris Black. I'm with you, and you can call me at 312-332-3776. It's a Friday night. It's the best night of the week here on Black and Abdallah. Friday night calls. All calls welcome at 312-332-3776. If you're new to the show, things get a little strange on Friday nights, and we love it. And that's why we call it Friday Night Calls. All calls welcome. We'll get to the Bears in just a moment as they face off against the Vikings in Week 18 to end the regular season for the Chicago Bears. 3-13 is the record. They're 2-6 at home, hosting the Vikings that are 12-4. and And the Bears really, if you're a Bears fan watching this game on Sunday, there's really nothing to really gain from it unless you're watching to see if Chase Claypool can add anything to this team for next season. I think to this point this year, Chase Claypool has been a major disappointment. I know joining a team midseason is never easy, but I don't think we expected him to not only not be on the field the amount that he was, it seemed like when he was cleared to play, he wasn't out there playing the snaps that we expected him to be. I would have expected, especially with Mooney being out, he would have been a, a bona fide number one for Justin Fields here in the second half of the season to kind of figure out what you have going forward. That didn't happen with Chase Claypool, and and I think that's going to be a topic of conversation as we go throughout the show tonight. Uh, He also talked to the media, and he's the one that noticed and was willing to speak out about it that the team gave up on Sunday against the Lions. It's pretty interesting. An outsider joins the team calling out the rest of the team saying, we gave up against the Lions. I think that's interesting. Uh, But So we're going to talk some Bears football. We'll also talk uh, NFL playoffs, and the NFL has approved the uh, possible neutral site AFC title game. Now, uh, this is all because on Monday night, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, uh, he fell down to the ground. He had cardiac arrest on the the football field. He had to be resuscitated. Well, today, great news out of uh, Cincinnati where they uh, removed the tube that was supporting breathing for Hamlin. So he's breathing on his own now. He was able to FaceTime with Bill's teammates. All of the news for DeMar Hamlin seemed to be positive at this moment and heading in the right direction, which is a a great thing to see. And the NFL, the owners approved earlier today a plan that leaves open the possibility of a neutral site AFC championship game that could determine home field advantage also for the wild card game between Cincinnati and Baltimore by a coin flip. So a couple of things that they have decided in wake of the cancellation on Monday, Bills and Bengals for Monday Night Football. The following scenarios based on week 18 have been approved if the title game needs to be at a neutral site. Here it goes. Uh, if Buffalo at 12-3 and three and Kansas City at 13-3 and three both win or tie, a Bills-Chiefs championship game would be a at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties, a Bills-Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati at 11-4 wins, a Bills or Bengals versus Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site. And then also the other thing they decided, if the Ravens win on Sunday over the Bengals, and they are matched up instant against uh, the Bengals in an AFC championship, uh, AFC wild card game. The site for that game would be determined by a coin flip. If Cincinnati wins, or if two teams are not matched against each other after a potential Ravens win, 
the regular scheduling procedures would be used. So that was decided today. A lot of uh, conversation this week, if you're not talking about Tamar Hamlin and his health, a lot of the conversation around the National Football League was about what will the league do with the issues of not having two teams finish out their season uh, and, and having that 17th game. And, and then obviously with the game being canceled between the, the Bills and the Bengals. And, and I feel like, obviously, there are no winners in any of these scenarios. Cincinnati is making noise, though. Uh, Zach Taylor uh, has openly talked about in the, in the media that this is not fair, that the rules exist where if a game was canceled or, or a tie, you go to win percentage. If there's something there, there it, it's already in the rule book. And the Bengals are pointing to the procedures already being in place, yet the owners have agreed to this neutral site situation and then also the coin flip between Baltimore and Cincinnati. And then you have various Bengals players today, uh, Joe Mixon being one of them, complaining openly that this is not right. The league should go based on win percentage to then figure out the seeding and figure out home field advantage or the playoffs. I don't think there's a right way to do it. If you're not going to play the game, I kind of agree with the win percentage idea. I think you're diluting your product by putting the championship game in a neutral site. I get that we can't control the circumstances, but I just don't, it doesn't sit right with me. A neutral site AFC championship game is not something I'm interested in, but I don't make the rules. Uh, the, the owners agreed on this uh, adjustment to the schedule in the AFC playoffs. So that's the news today uh, out of the NFL. I'm Chris Black. All calls welcome. Friday night calls here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We go to Alan Lamont kicking things off. All calls welcome on a Friday night. Al dropped. We go to Chase on the south side. Hello, Chase. Oh, yeah. What's up, Black? What's up, Chase? What up, Uncle Chris? Hello. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, is that you, uh, so when are you starting the babysitting duties? Uh, whenever they'll let us. We're, uh, we're ready to go. Hey, hey, man. It, it, it's your turn now, man. You, you, you last of the Mohicans. My turn for what? You know that. It's time for you. It's, it's your time now. No, Chasey, here's the key. When every person you know that's around you is uh, pregnant and having babies, uh, the beauty in that is that when you hang out, you see the babies, you babysit, you get to go home, and you don't have to worry about anything. And guess what? I sleep. I slept for, for nine hours last night, uninterrupted. It was beautiful. You know what? I don't have any kids because we're the same age, right? Cause, uh, you, be, you say you'd be 38 in May, right? Yeah, I will be. Okay, because I'll be 38 in February. So we're around Happy the same birthday in February. Decade. Thanks. Appreciate it. So I hate, I would really would. You want to trade birthdays? Because you got the month of the birthday. Because I hate my birthday being in February. It really, I hate it. Chase, let me, let me year, ask you this. What does it even matter? Because it's, because every year on my birthday, it snows. It snows on my birthday every year. But every does, it, year, does it really I, matter? It's just another day. I mean, I don't really do nothing. I don't really do that much on my birthday like I used to. Because as you get older, it's You're like, going to throw a party you know, this year? Uh, probably not. No, I'm too old for all that. I'm, you know, as you get older, like I said, you know, that party stuff just get 
I don't know. I, I think you should throw a, uh, a Chase uh, Mitchell Trubisky birthday party. Oh, boy. See? See? <laughs> I was trying not to do that. See? <laughs> See how you... Hey, I'm, you know what? I ain't going to do the Mitch take today because I'm waiting for a oh, dollar. I got a yeah. good one. I got, I got a good one for him. When I'm sure you back. don't. But, uh, but no, um, no, I want to talk about that, uh, you know, about the game on uh, Sunday, uh, the meaningless game. Well, I, no, actually, you know what? I want to talk about that. You know, the neutral site. Now, where they have, where are they actually having the Super Bowl at? Like, where are they having this? Where are they having the Super Bowl? I think it's Arizona this year. So why didn't they? Why don't they just have it there? Why didn't they just move it there? Wouldn't it make sense? Just like, you know, how they do to do the Final Four, where they have like at a neutral site, and then the national championship game is like on the, like the Final Four in college basketball. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it make sense to have it in Arizona? Just have it there, and then the AFC Championship game is right where the Super Bowl is, and then you know, two two weeks later, you have the um. The the, the, the the Super Bowl that following week wouldn't that make sense to have it there? Yeah, I, sure. I I don't think it matters where they have it. To be honest, yeah, it it, it kind of sucks though because um, the Cincinnati Bengals kind of get the the raw the raw end of the deal. But well, at the end of the day, all- I. I- that's why they're upset. That's why they're speaking out, saying that there are protocols in place. If a game is canceled, you go by win percentage. Yet we're now adding this new wrinkle to trying to figure out the AFC playoffs. I, I get why the Bengals are upset. Yeah, I mean it, it's unfortunate. Well, the, the good. I mean, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is uh, is is, is um, Demar being okay. So that's. That's the best part about this whole thing. So sure. I would say Absolutely. the greatest thing out of all this is him being okay. But, you know, I as I was watching it, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember a linebacker named Reggie Brown? Do you remember that? Linebacker for Detroit Lions. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, early, early 90s. Brought, yeah, do you remember that game where he, he was almost paralyzed? It yeah. was a similar situation yeah. where he – I think he, I don't know who he tackled, but I think he tackled a running back for the Jets. And he was paralyzed, and they said that – now, they say he broke his neck, and they, they gave him CPR, and they said that they had to get re- recuperate him, and he was almost bad on the court. And I was thinking, I'm surprised nobody brought that up because I can remember seeing players was crying, and they was, it was an ambulance on the field. And I'm surprised nobody's brought that up. Uh, I, I mean, because I remember that was like 97, I think. It was a 97 season. That was the same year Barry Sanders ran the 2,000-yard uh, season, his last game. Yeah, I remember. I, I do feel like someone did bring that up this week. And, and thinking back to different situations where we've seen really bad injuries on the football field, I, I do recall uh, either reading about that or, or hearing someone talk about it. But, yeah. Thanks, Chase. Thanks for the phone call, man. All right, Chris. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. There's Chase on the south side. All right, the phone lines are open, 312-332-3776. Friday night calls. All calls welcome here on Black and Abdallah. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. It's Black and Abdallah. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. All calls welcome here on Black and Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. Abdallah has the night off. We go to Al in Lamont here on ESPN 1000. What's up, Al? 
Hey, congratulations, Uncle Chris. Thank um, you. Hey, uh, random question. I, I don't give random questions on this call usually, but I'm going to participate sure. and say, have you ever thought about kickers and punters and wonder why can't one person do both jobs and save a roster spot for somebody? I'm going to groom my 12-year-old kid to be a punter and a kicker. That is a uh, fantastic question. I do think it is something I have thought about. when. Uh, so going to the games, if you go early enough, you can watch the kickers warm up. And I've always thought it's strange that, yeah, you're right. What do you need to be? You need two people to do specialize in both of those items. You can't have you can't have the, the place kicker be a punter as well. Right. All right. Have a good night, my man. All right, Al. Thanks for the phone call. Because, like, like I get it. It's probably uh, you need more practice to be the place kicker. I would imagine there's like stretching involved and strength that goes into the punting that probably you would need the place kickers to kind of change to, to be able to do that. But really, I mean, uh, you're just kicking it hard, right? I remember I, mean, I saw Pat McAfee, 74, 74 yard punt once. I was pretty impressed. That's what turned me. I was thinking, oh, maybe kickers, you know, they could do this. Yeah, Nick, the the, uh, the the punter with the podcast, right? Uh, he, in the wrestling, he's the wrestling guy? Yeah, the guy who's got the no sleeves yeah. and the chain thing going on. Yeah, he ruined uh, college game day. Uh, Tony in L.A., you're on ESPN 1000 on the ESPN Chicago app. What's up, Tony? What's up, Chris? How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? Look, you're flying solo tonight. Love it. What's... Hey, um, I just this winning percentage that Cincinnati's been talking about, um, if you look up the AHL where the Wolves play, if you look up their playoff seating, they do it by winning percentage. The East Coast teams play a different amount of games than the West Coast teams because of travel and costs like that as well. So when it comes to playoff time, they seed them per the uh, winning percentage. During the playoffs, you could have an East Coast team playing a West Coast team depending on how the playoff, uh, the win percentage lines up. Right. So I think Cincinnati's on to something with that. Yeah, and, and uh, for the most part, all sports, and thanks for the call, Tony, all sports go off a of win percentage. They don't, they don't do it based on like win-loss actual record. They go on the, the win percentage, and then they break it down in different tiebreakers. And, and obviously, uh, as Tony's referencing the AHL with maybe the conferences then mixing and matching in different sides of the country, m- matching up. You know, like, I, I think that's where Cincinnati does have kind of a gripe here because if, if they get to that spot and they have to face off against the Chiefs or the Bills, however it is, a neutral site game, and even Kansas City, I, I'm surprised there hasn't been more, like, Kansas City noise saying, hey, if we, if we win this weekend, like, I, I get that Buffalo beat us earlier in the season, but if we're looking at win percentage at the moment, we would be the team that would be the number one seed. And I get it. It's all in the context that none of this is worthy. None of this was uh, is enjoyable to talk about because of the circumstances that took place on Monday night. But I just think that, like, of the ideas that they came up with to try and figure this out, I don't know if this is necessarily the best idea to do so. T.O. and Elgin, you're on ESPN 1000. All calls welcome. Friday night calls here with Black Amdala on a Friday night. What's up, T.O.? Hey, Chris. How are you doing? What's up, man? So can I call you Tio Chris? Because that's uncle in Spanish. Sure. Why not? Go for it. So, yeah, I got a question. Uh, um, so one is for, uh, I asked you, I called you guys on last year for, um, I invited you guys to a soccer game, sure. you know, for the fire. Yeah, you guys ever yeah. been to, like, do you remember? 
Yeah, I remember. So I was in the. Uh, did we, did we ever of... get to that soccer game, Tio? Huh? Did we ever get to that soccer game? No, last you say year? maybe, maybe you say maybe later in the future. But I just want to remind you, and then uh, recommend you a game. Maybe this year you can go. Maybe we're going to be there for the uh, the fire against the new team. It's an expansion team there in San Luis. Okay. In May 13. In, what, uh, what is uh, St. Louis's name? Sporting St. Louis? Kind of like that. It's like St. Louis City, FC, something like that. Yeah. They all, all of the uh, MLS teams have adopted the, the style of naming teams the way that European teams are named. You yes. Know? Isn't there but, you know, uh, Real like a, Salt Lake is, is a team? Yes. Right. Salt Lake. So, but in, I was in Miami. Inter Miami, right. New York City FC, Atlanta United. So are, are the Fire going to be any good this year? Who? The Chicago Fire. Well, they're supposed to be good. Yeah, they got a good team, but they're not playing good. But they still have to make some moves right now. Sure. They're trying to get some players. doesn't start until, like, uh, March 4th is the first game right, right. this year. So I just want to remind you to maybe go to a game. In a, you have to go to the tailgate. To the tailgate. Yeah, that's for T.O. Lewis. Everybody knows me there. Wow. Everyone the, at the tailgate knows no, you? No, everybody. But all the, we, we got a section, you know, like we got the tailgate. We got Section 8. Sure. And, uh, we, yeah. We, I've heard so, of Section and then, 8. Uh, yeah. yeah can, can I send a shout out to, uh, to sure. my friends like yeah. uh, Lewis uh, Uzler in Section 8, the Sector Latino and Bunter Bodies. There's all the supporter group that I hang up with. Great. Shout out. Thanks, man. Thanks for taking my call, and have a nice weekend. All right, Tio. Thanks for the phone call. You know, it's um, not to bore people with my uh, Premier League thoughts, uh, but like a week ago, I was at a friend's house. Abdallah was with us, and I mentioned that I feel as if NBC has done a really bad job this season promoting the Premier League because like, they basically want you to watch all of the games that are on Peacock, and I, I just... I have Peacock. I'm logged into like one TV on it. Not all of my TVs. I have to go through the whole process. You have the QR code. You got to do the whole thing, right? And I just, I just made the comment that clearly it, with the World Cup break, but then in the early part of the season, because of college football and the NFL starting up, like it felt like NBC wasn't giving the Premier League its proper due. I know I'm spending way too much time here in Chicago radio talking Premier League soccer. But uh, basically, after I talked about that like a week ago, all I did when I was gone on uh, Christmas and New Year's break was sit at home and watch the Premier League. and It was fantastic. And, and I think maybe NBC was just waiting for the college football season to be over before they started highlighting games on USA and also on NBC. Because in the last like two weeks... Almost every important game has been on actual over-the-air broadcasts and not on Peacock, uh, as, at least on the weekends when it comes to the Premier League. And so I, I've been watching a lot of soccer. Like the World Cup ended, and I went right into constantly watching Premier League games. So I'm excited. Uh, I know that there. I think there's games off this weekend because the FA Cup and Man U won earlier today against Everton. But I, I'd say next weekend, huge match. Uh, Abdallah's going down his team, Man City, against Man U. I think it's next Saturday at 6.30 a.m., so I'm going to make sure that he's up for that, uh, for a watch party, uh, a little Black and Abdallah watch party. I'll make him bring uh, Layla with him, and uh, we're going to watch some Premier League soccer next Saturday morning. But I was like, I was like why, why is NBC making it so difficult to consume the product? And then, like, boom, day later, every game is there. 
uh, Goal Zone's on, uh, Premier League Mornings is on, and, and by far it is the best outside of TNT's coverage of the NBA. NBC's coverage of the Premier League is by far the best. I enjoy I enjoy consuming it the most next to TNT's coverage of the NBA. 312-332-3776. All calls welcome. Friday night calls. See, it was like two minutes of Premier League talk. Danny can't come after me for that. It was like two minutes. That's it. It wasn't even soccer talk. It was like TV talk. We go to Mitchell in display. Oh, no. Here we go. Um, I, I don't know if you um, were ever um, interested in the artist called Cisco, you know, the guy that was, did, you know, in the early 2000s. Yeah, the thong song. Okay. Yeah, right. So um, I, I don't think I ever discussed this with you, so I thought I, you oh. know, on this full moon in cancer, I thought I'd discuss this with you now. Why not? Um, so uh, what happened was I was out in California doing the dream between acting and drumming. I Wait, you tried for... to be an actor too? I knew that you were a, a musician. I didn't know you tried no, to act. I was a, a SAG actor from '97 wow. to the present. So you're, okay, in, you're in the union with us? Yes, yes, of course. What do you think? Wow. Do you think all these great ideas came from some idiot from this plane? No. Okay, well traveled, Daniel. Wait, wait, um, wait. What did you act in? Well, I'm going to tell you in a second if you let me tell my story. Okay. All so, right. um, I'll back one off. of the credits. One of the many credits that I have, but this is a fun one. So in two thousand, July 4th, 2000, Cisco and his production company was Def Jam, okay? And they had a lot of money. So they put together a movie, okay, which was called Unleash uh, the Dragon, which was on one of his, and I don't follow yes. Cisco. I'm familiar. Shot this, so I had to audition for it, just like everything. Now, SAG doesn't govern videos, but everybody, that's a stepping stone. Martin Weiss was the director. He's now doing, he did all this, like, Limp Bizkit, in the, you know, at that era. He did uh, all those guys in the, you know, from, like, the late 90s. And then he's now doing films, feature films. Uh, Martin Weiss, look them up on, you know, your, uh, any site. Okay. IMDb. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, I got the role as the helicopter reporter, Okay, but you'd probably really get a kick out of it. And the, the, the video um, is like, it plays like a movie. So when you guys watch, like, Unleash the Dragon, okay, if you go on YouTube or wherever you want to watch it, it's going to play like a film. There's this profanity in it. It runs for, like, 14 minutes. So there's elements of a video, I guess, in the vernacular, the way you would, like, kind of interpret, but there's actually a storyline. So okay. I audition. Me and this girl, we both get the reporter job. There's like our, this girl that opens up the scene. She's a reporter. Then a year later, we get invited on Hollywood Boulevard to go to the premiere. Now, I, most of your audience has no idea what a premiere is, but a premiere, whether for a feature film, is when they go and they celebrate the movie. Wait, yeah, so all, I think people know what a premiere is. Okay, so, but I talk about attending one and being in one and seeing yourself on sure. screen is my point. So they show, so I walk in, and you're treated like gold. Now, listen, in L.A., man, it's all about one thing, and it starts with the capital S. It's status. So when you walk in, like, you feel really important. Like, oh, hi, mister, you know, and they know your name, and they, they just, it's awesome. It's like being on your wedding day. And then they showed clips of our audition. So Martin and I, when we shot for two days, there's downtown L.A., and when you watch the footage, if you know Los Angeles, it's downtown L.A., okay, in a helicopter, um, which is what I'm doing. So I'm doing like a play-by-play from a helicopter as the dragon is unleashed through the streets of Los Angeles. Right. And the special effects, I, I will say to, to their credit, was like, this is way before Godzilla, okay? 
So again, this is 2000. This is literally on July 4th. So when it came out, I, I was so excited because it helped me get other gigs because you got to use, you know, as you know, we put together like a demo reel. Right. But the only stuff that I would put on my demo reel was stuff that was shot on 35. I was not a hack. Mm. You know, like who's the actors today? They'll put like the demo reel of them auditioning on YouTube and it's like an amateur hour. Back then, you I only did that. stuff that was on 35. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even sell for 16. That's how much of a snob I was. Okay. <laughs> anyway, to make a long story short, look up Unleash the Dragon. And again, it's going to play like a feature film. It's not going to play like a video. There's components of it, but pay attention, close attention, folks, to the guy who's in the helicopter. Okay. And that is me, daddy wow. And that is Wow. How about that? I did not know Mitchell displays is a movie star. Well, no. You know what? Listen, man. L.A. is a... We had a... Actually, I think Sylvie had a guy who's from L.A. It's a tough business, man. I got out at the right time. All the uh, big actors went into commercials. There's a commercial strike in 2000, and it really changed how actors get roles. And it's really sad, man. Uh, it's you, never going to be. You mentioned a, a guy that calls into Wild and Sylvie. I think it, I think that's Jason Honeycutt, and he's usually yeah, in he's our not, Twitch he, chat. I think he's right, in the he, Twitch chat tonight. He I think he I'll works be, in L.A. and he works in like uh, TV. He he, I, he was the, the guy that I'm thinking was an actor, and he talked about how hard it was. To like, and this is again, he, you know, he saw what I saw coming. I got out just in the nick of time because, uh, but he had talked about how difficult that you're going to auditions and if you're in your 40s and 50s, you're going up against like Michael Anthony Hall, the guy that was in like, you know, Breakfast yeah. Club. Yeah. So you're never going to get those gigs. Right. And commercials, now here's the problem you got Danny DeVito doing commercials for Subway or, you know, what is it, Big John's or whatever. Sure. You got guys that, that, that was, never, there used to be a stigma, okay? When I, I got there in 97, A-list actors stayed in movies. Commercial actors never got into films. There were two different worlds. If you were a TV star, you stayed in TV. All of a sudden, right, there was a strike. For the, and, and the SAG strike for commercials changed the whole game. And then you got Morgan Freeman doing her voiceovers. So the guys that were, <laughs> and women that were doing voiceovers, they right. used to get paid in advance. They got kicked to the curb. Right. And now they're doing that. So, yeah, they got kicked because now if you're, okay, Okay, Chris. Jason Honeycutt's in the Twitch chat. He says he works for Disney and FX. Okay, that might not be the guy. The no, guy. I, that, I think he, it is. I think he's. Uh, I think uh, he's worked a few different places. No, there's a there's a specific actor that was an actor that was on your show or on Sylvie's show that was really uh, good. I, I think he just works in TV. This guy that's in the no, Twitch yeah, chat. This guy was, the guy that was on Sylvie. He was actually an actor. And he talked about all the you know what I call the pitfalls about going out in L.A. And if you think that you're going to go to California today and get jobs, you're, you're never going to get it. Yeah. I don't care who you know because here's the problem. It's there's just too many actors, and they, at the the convention was that the longer you stayed out there, that like your 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 category would get less. It's gotten more, and because the fact is the big invasion is that A-list actors that had films that had sitcoms, they're moving into TV by drug because they want to work. Right. So you know you understand and, and trying to get a soap, they're never going to do it. Well, it's so because it, in the it, movie it, industry, the only thing they make movies about now are uh, Marvel. Situations yeah, and, and now the, the pie has been cut so avatars. hard. Yeah, so, so, so guess what? You try. That's, a, that's another good point. Before it was Mitchell, I gotta go. We're we're way late, but thank you for the phone uh, call, sorry, my man. Anyway, enjoy. Thanks a lot, Team Jim, and I yeah, have a good night. There you go, Mitchell. Displays all calls welcome on a Friday night here on ESPN One Thousand. We'll be right back. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. 
This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. I'd like you to meet someone who's really special. It's Black and Abdallah. A real inspiration. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. Welcome Friday Night Calls here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Abdal has the night off. Chris Black hanging out with you. And shout out to our long streamers, those in the Twitch chat tonight on ESPN 1000 Chicago. Hanging out. They're in there early for Cap'n J. Hood, 7 to 10 a.m. Weekday mornings here on ESPN 1000. Into Greeny, Bubba, Nuno, Devin, the hashtag crew. Carmen and Yurko, Waddle and Sylvie, all the way to Black and Abdallah at 8 when we finish. Those are the long streamers, those who are in the Twitch chat all day long here on ESPN 1000. If you're in the Twitch chat and you were there at the start, right now you're going on almost 12 hours of ESPN 1000 programming in the Twitch stream. So shout out to those long streamers in the Twitch chat this evening right here on ESPN 1000. Yesterday, Luke Getze uh, met the media and talked about Justin Fields. And Fields won't play this weekend against the Vikings on Sunday in Week 18 of the NFL season. And I I think a big piece of conversation that we've obviously uh, paid attention to in the last few weeks is the development and the progress that Justin Fields has made here in his second season. Now that we know that year two is over, Fields won't play this weekend, we have to now assess what we've seen from the quarterback in year two. Luke Getze yesterday talked about that. He was asked, where, where have you seen growth with Justin Fields here in year two with the Chicago Bears? I just joked about it before. I just said, you know, just, just take his press conferences at the beginning of the year to his press conferences at the end of the year, right? He's sitting there telling you about every single play. I mean, he told you, oh, we had a trick play. I'm like, come on, dude, you can't do that. You can't go out in the public and say a trick. And so, no, just that, that, that uh, becoming a pro, the leadership, the, you know, you guys talked about, you know, I think you got challenged last week with, you know, how, how did, what happened with Chase on the, on the sideline, and he handled that. Like, that's him becoming the leader of the football team and um, being a great pro and consistent every day. I think that's the most important thing. And then all the other stuff, those guys see every day on the practice field. They see him getting better every day. So um, the results of it, the statistics that everyone's looking for, those will come, and we know that. Um, but like again, like I said, the most important thing is that we continue to see growth. Luke Getze yesterday also talked about Justin Fields improving with his instincts. Yeah, I think it's you know you 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 take it from the classroom, you take it to the practice field, and then you apply it in the games. And and so as long as you're you, you, he's he's proven that he can he knows what to do. Um, he's proven in practice that he can apply. And then as you get to the real game experience, you talk about the real speed and. The, the coverage is changing or the or pressure that's that, that's happening or whatever, something that changes and then being able to in a split second apply it appropriately, yes, that is that is that's definitely experience that uh, that he didn't have and they got a lot of this year and so hopefully we continue to grow on that. So that's what Gassi yesterday at Hallis Hall. Don't you feel like a lot of the instincts from Justin Fields has really saved his butt this year? Like think about what's around him. A bad offensive line, wide receivers who are not very good. I mean, Darnell Mooney is a good wide receiver. He's been injured for a large portion of the season. But outside of that, Chase Claypool, unproven. Nikhil Harry, unproven and can't stay healthy. Equinemius St. Brown, he's, I guess, decent. He's okay, but his best attribute is a run blocker as a wide receiver. That's crazy. Uh, Dante Pettis, he's been out there. 
I think that's the best thing we can say about Pettis, right? Like if you're a Bears fan, I said, how would you describe Dante Pettis as a wide receiver of the Bears? Well, he's played in some games. Like I, I don't think you know breakaway speed or or the juke ability or or uh, you know sure hands or any of that come to mind. It's just like oh yeah, he he played in some games. Byron Pringle, what has he added this season? And then also we get to the Valus Jones. I mean, really, Justin Fields has had to rely on his instincts, and I think the the growth that we've seen from Fields from year one to year two. Think about all the situations last year. He was running for his life, trying to stay alive and and keep plays alive and to just get to the next play. It was a survival situation for Fields. This year, at many spots, he looked in command. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He was dictating policy to the defense. And the Bears' offense, for the first time in quite some time, looked pretty good in spots. Not great, and the points per game for the overall season isn't going to be fantastic. And the stats could be better for Justin Fields, especially the passing numbers, and especially with the yardage. A lot of people will be able to point to that to knock him. But when you look at Fields from year one to year two, he has absolutely improved from year to year. Last year, 58% completion percentage. This year, 60 Last year, he threw for 1,800 yards. This year, 22. I get it. The yardage is bad. But last year, he threw for seven touchdowns. This year, 17. He threw 10 interceptions last year. He threw 11 this year. His quarterback rating last year, 73. This year, 85. Now, Fields this year started 15 games. He only started 12 last year. The thing that I want to point out that I think is is very encouraging is that sometimes with young quarterbacks, while we're trying to figure out if they're good, if they can get it, if they can do it at the next level or or advance to becoming an average quarterback and then a top 10 quarterback and then an elite quarterback in the NFL, usually it comes down to the interception numbers. And with Fields playing 15 games compared to the 12 last year and only having one more interception, 11 compared to the 10 last year. I think that's great. Now, it's still a high number in comparison to others around the NFL. But when you when you look at a quarterback who's not getting it, they're throwing into double coverage. They're throwing into triple coverage. They're not seeing the linebacker in the zone drop coverage over the middle. Justin Fields did not have the interception problem that we've seen from bad quarterbacks in the past. And I think that is something that I'm really excited about with Justin Fields in the future with this team. Here's Luke Getze talking about balancing Fields, his passing development, and also his, his ability to make special plays with his legs. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, that, that's part of the, the uniqueness of, of coaching guys that are special in a bunch of different ways. Like I was fortunate to coach a guy in my last stop that, he doesn't see things like everybody else does. And so you, you work through that in the sense of like, okay, what's your why? Why did you do it? Communicate, and he's, he communicates that clearly, more clearly than any person, and human being in the world. And so what's cool about Justin is he's kind of on that path, to be honest with you. He has his whys. He sees what he sees, and he's able to communicate that. And so that's, and then all you do is you just reflect, okay, the process tells you this. Now we need to apply it. And then, um, you never ignore instincts. There's a lot of there's a lot of plays, right? I, I think I said this to you guys in here that you start off in April and May and June and you grind them into the process and the progression, 
And then once it's time to play, it's time to let the player bring it to life. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, call this play, and if it's one high, you're doing this, and if it's two high, you're doing this. And then he goes out and he says, well, the leverage in the one high was this, so I was working that all day. That's like he's making a decision for a reason, and so those conversations have been really good. So that's Luke Getze yesterday at Hallis Hall. Now, a couple of things I want to point out with that last uh, piece of audio. I talked about this on the Bear Down podcast. Check it out on the ESPN Chicago app. New episode recorded yesterday. I heard Luke Getze say this, and did you catch the first part? He was around Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is one of the smartest quarterbacks we've ever seen play the game. And Getze recognizes what he saw in Aaron Rodgers and this idea that Justin Fields is on that path. Now, Getze's not saying that Fields is Aaron Rodgers or he will be Aaron Rodgers, but he is understanding the game from the quarterback position like the guy that he was previously coaching in Aaron Rodgers. That, to me, also signifies growth with your quarterback from year one to year two. This isn't a guy who's asking you to turn off the TVs and he can't take the criticism and he doesn't understand offense in the National Football League. This is a mature individual who understands what's going on, wants to be the face of the franchise, and is understanding the complex offense that's being implemented Even though he doesn't have the help around him, he is trying to figure out how and why things should be done and how they can improve. And I get many in the Twitch chat pointing out the whys, and it's a a response back to Mac Nagy, and and Nagy's finding the whys and and kind of uh, bad memories from the past regime. But I heard Getze say that about Justin Fields and, and talking about understanding and trying to figure out the offense and understanding where to go with it in this a season where things have not necessarily gone his way. And I think that's that's impactful. I think it's important. And I think that's why the Bears have their quarterback for the future in Justin Fields. It's a Friday night. All calls welcome. Friday night calls. We'll take uh, some Bears calls as well. If you want to join us, 312-332-3776. We'll talk Bears and take your calls. Coming up next. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow the show on Twitter at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. It's a Friday night on Black and Abdallah. We have all calls. Welcome Friday night calls here on the show until 8 o'clock. And we have the song of the night coming up in moments. I think it's a good one. I think people will like it. We'll get to the song in just a couple of moments right here on ESPN 1000. But we're talking Bears football with you at 312-332-3776. Pauly in Lake Forest, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Pauly? Thanks for taking my call, man. I respect you and I respect Thank your you. show. Thank you. And Appreciate it. your opinions. And that you allow discourse. Um... Boy, I don't know what you're watching. $40 million you're going to give this guy in three years? Take a look. Every time he does something good, he's the Messiah. When he does something bad, it's somebody else's fault. He never throws a completion where he can get yards after catch. Take a look at last week's film. I just watched it again, 16 minutes on fast forward. Bad decision-making, inaccurate runner. He's closer to Debo Samuel than he is Lamar Jackson. At watch. No, they got to jump for the passes. They got to go down for the receptions. They got 
reached behind themselves for the reception. The play where he ran out of bounds on the three-yard line when he was totally gassed. Komet was open over the middle. The guy can't see the second receiver. I mean, you should make him, and I've told you this before, you should make him a wide receiver and get a good QB. He's one of the top five athletes in the league. He is not a quarterback. You're going to spend $40 million on this guy. And look what's happening to these running QBs. I mean, he's a taller version of Tua turned the ball over than anybody else. I mean, I don't see what you're seeing, man, and I totally respect your opinion. You can't keep blaming it on the offensive line when he makes bad decisions. Well, Paul, Paul, let me let me put part of it. I, I may have a bias because I watched him at Ohio State, and I thought he was really good there. So well, sure, I, I know that the pocket passing line. quarterback in college, I, I know that he exists. And I think that we can blame him for everything. I think that's – you can blame he's him for inaccurate. a lot. He's inaccurate, and he's a bad decision maker. Those are two of the three components, along with a strong arm is the third one. He has a strong arm, but he's inaccurate. Go and look week after week, Komet jumping for balls and he can't advance. Guys reaching behind themselves, they can't advance. You can't keep blaming that on the offensive line. When he has protection, he's inaccurate. Yeah, I don't I know. Would, I, I, I see him make good throws. I don't think it's it's completely this idea that if he got help, he'll turn into something else. He's made plays. I think that's where it was missing with Trubisky. Trubisky didn't make the plays. Trubisky has, was just but, barely getting by with an offense that had pieces that worked. Like and that's that's where the, I think when you look at a quarterback analysis of it, I, I think Fields is making enough plays to suggest that he's improving and it's he has the ability to get better. The pro QB that's a winner is the how you how the quarterback handles the last three minutes of each half. Yeah, there was a statistic two or three weeks ago. It was like nine out of the last ten games they had a chance to do something at the end of the game, and he didn't come through. You can't keep blaming that on other people. Well, okay, but, but look at a couple of those games, a couple of those situations. The epic turnovers at the end were not his fault. It's not he didn't draft the guy didn't come back Jones. To the pass on that one. Mar- Marset uh, Smith Marset with that fumble against the Vikings. That's not on Justin Fields. He was but the best player in that nine- game. They need nine offensive guys. They need four linemen, three receivers, another tight end, and a receiving running back. And, Paulie, they probably need eight guys on defense, too. I agree. I totally agree. You're, how are you going to get all these guys in two or three years and then give him $40 million? Well, and, that, and, 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 Paulie, and I appreciate the phone call, and thanks for calling in. And that's, I think, I don't agree with a lot of what Paulie said there, but he does nail it with the window. The window for the Bears, like, we may have our quarterback for the future, but it's naive to to not understand that the window to win is next year and the year after that. Because then you have to pay a quarterback the, uh, half of your salary cap if he's a guy worthy of a new contract, which I think he will be. But at that point, you're spending so much money on a quarterback, you have to have the ability of that guy make up for the rest of your roster. And that's why the sweet spot in the NFL is having a, a stud roster with a rookie quarterback on his rookie deal who's good because then you can kind of uh, manage the salary cap in a situation where you're not spending so much of that allotment on a quarterback. So, so Paulie is right. Like the, This idea that they can rebuild for like four seasons and then try and win, that's completely unrealistic. This isn't baseball. There, there's no... Cub-like tank on the horizon, or, or the Houston Astros. You can't you can't build up for three or four years. 
You have to hit the bottom of the pool and then spring back up. It's time for the song of the night. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Exp- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's song of the night. Yo, later. Tonight's song. Perez Prado. Mambo number eight from 1956. That's all right. It's your song of the night. Because I have a story that goes with this. Do you remember the movie Office Space from 1999? The movie opens with an individual going to his boring desk job, sitting in traffic. And this song is playing at the start of the movie. I saw this story earlier this week. An Office Space-inspired engineer's $300,000 theft. That's right. Someone tried to pull off the scheme from Office Space. A software engineer transferred over $300,000 from his employer using a scheme inspired by the movie Office Space from 1999. He was caught. He was arrested. His name is Ernie Castro, 28. He was fired from his software engineering company. The charging documents say he stole about uh, $260,000 in electronic payments and then another $40,000 in merch based from the Seattle-based e-commerce company. And then the way he did it is he had a code that during the checkout process would wire money into his personal account. Here's how they found him. After he was fired, they checked his laptop. The laptop had a project on his laptop called Office Space Project. It was his plot to pull off this scheme to steal all the money that he based off of the movie Office Space. So there you go, Ernie Castro in jail. Your song of the night, Mambo Number Eight. A shout out to Office Space. A real story. That's right. Just roll it off into a different account. It's your song of the night. I want to rock. Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for what dial? There's there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an. Ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdullah's Song of the Night. Yo, later. Such a great movie. Mike Judge directed it. Uh, Ron Livingston was in it. Jennifer Aniston. Awesome movie. Office Space from 1999. It's great. We'll be back in two minutes. Black and Abdullah, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.